0: Hey guys, Robert Mays here. On today's Ringer NFL show, we are breaking down all things free agency, including the robust quarterback market, some of the big fish to be had, and our favorite players on the market. As always, we are brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where there are a ton of great shows for you. Bachelor fans, if you have not relived the best, or worst, I guess, season of in the show's history with Juliet Littman and her friends at Bachelor Party, I'm really not sure what you've been doing so please go check that out also please go to the ringer.com to check out all of our free agency preview work including a piece i wrote on friday detailing how the 49ers could be the sleeping giants in this year's market and beyond all right with that let's get to the show welcome to the ringer nfl show part of the ringer podcast network i'm robert mays joined as always by kevin clark Kevin, free agency is upon us, but before we get there, I want to talk about something. Mm. You and I were texting yesterday, and you told me that you hadn't been by your phone because you just gotten a haircut, yeah. and that was terrifying to me because I was getting a haircut at the exact same time as you were. We've been doing this for long enough now, we're on the same haircut schedule, and I'm not okay with that.
1: I, I think that it makes more sense than you think. I mean, it's, I guess it's so. March... We're not going to, you know, you're not going to get a haircut on Monday. You're kind of groggy. You know, it's it's too early in the week. You're not going to get it too close to the weekend. It's midweek in March. You're
0: going to get a haircut. I think you're rationalizing this. It was literally the exact same stretch of time. Like as soon as I got out, I texted you, and, you said, and it was two minutes later. You're like, sorry, I wasn't by my phone. I was getting a haircut. It was terrifying to me. I'm not sure I'm okay with it. How was your haircut? Good haircut? I actually had to go back. It's the first time I've ever done that. I'm sorry. Excuse me? I went back. There was like a piece, like three pieces that she missed, and I knew they were gonna drive me crazy. How did she react? It was a different person. I waited long enough on purpose to not have to face the person that cut my hair. Where were the where were the hairs? At the part, so it's hard to see them. Okay, a, afterward, that was the issue. Okay, do you really want to get into How this? How long did I you wait? I feel like such a prima donna. I waited like four and a half hours and then called and said I have to come I back. I
1: wouldn't. I would just wear a hat for three months. Instead of going
0: back. It's not an option for me. I I wish that were, I cannot do that right now. I'm going on a couple trips and that there's no way. This is amazing. It's the first time I've ever done it. I felt like such an asshole. I would never do something like that normally, but I knew I wouldn't be able to live with it. Hmm. I went to the
1: Magic Lakers game last night. I saw that. How was it? It was okay. Uh, Two bad basketball teams. And also, I don't know if, I mean, you know this, but maybe you're not used to it every year. When you're rooting for a team that's actively tanking, there's just a lot of weird thoughts to go through your head the entire time. Yeah, that's
0: how it was last night. The I, Bulls when game. I lived
1: in New York, they would always come in in March and April, and I would go the Magic, and it was like every time. I basically what I do at this point is just root for young players' development, sure. and Then the loss. So like I love watching Jonathan Isaac or Hazonia or Gordon a little bit, and then they
0: lose. So it wasn't it wasn't a bad game as far as that goes. That's how I was about with L'Oreal marketing last night, but then they won. So it was just not exactly the outcome I was hoping for, but it is a, sometimes it doesn't work. When they're I was,
1: playing the Grizzlies, it happens. I was on Tankathon this morning, and oh, wow. there are some real, real talented tanking teams. Talented at tanking
0: this year. <laughs> it's, it's a tough group to break. All right, buddy. We're going to dive into our massive free agency preview, which includes a look at some of the top players in the market, some other guys we think could be, could be great values, and a lot more. But first, Kevin, I wanted to chat about some news from a pretty jam-packed week. You know, we're going to be joined by Danny a little bit later in the show, and that's probably good that he isn't here right now because I think in a way, Wednesday kind of marked the demise of the Legion of Boomer in Seattle. I don't really know what's going on. No, jo- John neither. Schneider
1: and Pete Carroll are infinitely smarter about football than I am. Okay. Let's yeah, let's preface I'll, it. I'll admit that. Let's preface it with that. Okay. Having said that, it seemed like their path to relevance was to fix the offensive line, and instead, they're just gonna blow up the entire team. That seems yeah. like a really complicated solution to a fairly simple problem. Russell oh. Wilson is still there. Russell Wilson is under contract. He's not going anywhere. I think Russell Wilson on talent and everything else all things considered as a top five NFL quarterback. The job of an NFL team when you have the golden goose, when you have a quarterback who's on at least a decent contract, is to maximize that window. And I'm not totally clear on what's going on now. There are obviously, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman, he he blows out his Achilles. You know, they're, I'm sure they they think maybe he's in decline if they're getting rid of him. But, you know, a guy like Michael Bennett, I, 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 the numbers still hold up
0: for he's him. He's still a really good player. And, I mean, if they trade Earl Thomas, oh, I mean, and just to get over rid of him, and then it's pretty much over. So, yeah, I mean, it just seems like really...
1: the Cliff Averill, I mean, the injury there is just yep. a giant question. Cam Chancellor, so, I mean, there's a lot of no stuff idea going on there. What's going on with that defense right now?
0: I mean, if this is it, um, the eulogy for the, the odd Legion of Boom Seahawks is they were the team of that maybe five year stretch. I mean, I, I would argue that even more so than the Patriots, they might be the team of the 2010s. I mean, what they did over that period is incredible. I mean, they should be celebrated. It's just odd that it might be over.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, you know, Michael Bennett going to the Eagles is, is a very intriguing thing. There's a couple stats out here. Samuel Gold tweeted out. Um, He had 70 pressures last year and a 7.3 run stop percentage, which is uh, above average. And the versatility, he was on the interior almost 40% of the time. I mean, the the ability to generate a pass rush from the inside and the outside. I mean, Michael Bennett, okay, he lost a slight step from 2016, but he's still a really valuable player. And so I I don't necessarily get the move there. The Eagles defensive line is going to be fun as hell. I
0: mean, it's just a very I have a Chris Ryan take. Flexible, I have a Chris Ryan take. What do you
1: say? I just saw Chris Ryan before I walked over here. He said, slight worry about being Dream Team 2.
0: Understandable. Hey, I mean, th- that's probably in the rear view for them. Leave it to RF Eagles fans, though, to, to be really worried and scared about a month after winning the Super Bowl. Well, they, there's they just so many, so
1: many moving parts on that yeah. team. There's so many guys who might not come back. We'll get to those in a second, but... It did. It's it's the rare Super Bowl victory in this era in which you're saying, oh, we might not, might not be able to do it again next year. I think a lot of teams have been set up for longer term success than than the Eagles were last year, just because of a lot of the guys. We we just don't know, so they're going to make wholesale changes. Howie Roseman's going to be aggressive. He's going to make trades. We already know that. So it's going to be a very different team in September than it was in
0: February, for better or worse. One more piece of news I wanted to hit, just because it's relevant to this show. It seems like we were the ones to predict, or, or the first ones to kind of understand that the Rams might have had a misstep with the Alec Ogletree contract. Remember earlier? Yeah, in the let's fall tell that when, story. Go ahead. Earlier in the fall, we did a segment where we were—I ta- was talking about how the Rams are going to be better when they got rid of Alec Ogletree because I assumed his contract was almost up because mm. of the where the year he'd been drafted. And then we had to go back and re-record it because I had forgotten that they signed him to an extension.
1: I knew I knew knew he'd sign an extension, but I kind of liked where you were going with it. So I let you
0: go. So four months after he signs that extension, they trade him away to get the contract off the books, which is incredible because I didn't understand it when they did it. So the Giants
1: defense gets faster and more athletic and not much else.
0: The Rams, all you have to know about how badly they wanted to get rid of him is they're willing to eat six point four million dollars in signing bonus dead money to save three point six this year. right. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's such a bad deal. The Rams, the choices that they've made, there's so many bad ones to go along with them building this really good team. I mean, the Tavon Austin contract and the Alec Ogletree contract, Austin, they ate it for a couple of years because they weren't paying anyone else. And then Ogletree, it lasted four months. None of this is news. The fact that you wanted to keep Lamarcus Joyner, uh, Sammy Watkins, maybe sticking around for a little bit. These are all things you should plan for in advance. So signing Street to that extension, even with the possibility that you might want to maintain some of the players on your roster, doesn't make sense. We do this all the time. Nobody made you give him that money. You could have waited till right now. And then you don't have the dead money on your hands.
1: Okay, so I have a thought on this, and it's that the emergence of teams with tons of cap space, and obviously the Rams not had a ton of cap space in a couple of years, but it promotes a little bit of haphazard strategy with the cap because, I mean, you look at the, the Niners this year, you look at the Browns this year, teams with you know tens upon tens of millions of dollars of cap space, and you think you can do whatever you want. But the bills become due at some point, and eventually you just end up signing bad contracts. And you end up, I mean, like you said, with Tavon Austin, you're carrying him on the roster for a couple of years because you have paid no one else. But guess what? At some point, you start paying the other guys, especially when especially when you had the talent like the Rams do. And so... I think it's really interesting. The Rams will be fine. They're going to get out of it cap-wise. The cap just keeps rising to a point where it barely matters. But I do think it's really interesting. We we are in the golden age of sort of thoughtless, bad salary maneuvers.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. All right, speaking of those, let's dive into this free agent pool here. And I think the only real place to start this year is with the quarterbacks. Typically, in any given free agent class, the quarterbacks aren't interesting. Think about where we were a year ago. My team was giving Mike Glenn an $18.5 million guaranteed. He was the best quarterback on the market. This class is unprecedented in the era of the modern CBA. We've never seen a group of quarterbacks this deep, this many guys where when the music stops, a team will be happy if they're sitting in that team's chair. I mean, it hasn't happened like this over the last seven years. And that obviously starts with Kirk Cousins, who is the biggest domino to fall in free agency, period. I mean, what happens with him, Where what he gets paid, where he ends up, will put so many other things in motion. Obviously, the rumor this week was that the Vikings were willing to shell out a three-year, $90 million contract fully, fully guaranteed, guaranteed for his services, which is, is staggering. I mean, you know, an amount of money and just the fact we've never seen that before, it would be such a game-changer And apparently that's what's on the table as things currently stand.
1: Yeah. Who knows if that's accurate? Exactly. Who knows? So the guarantee part is what makes Cousins so fascinating because we've heard for a number of years that Kirk Cousins might be the highest paid NFL player, maybe depending on the market and history. And I don't think that's going to happen because of the options that that popped up around him. I think there was a scenario if he had done it last year that the summer of Mike Glennon, then, then we're talking about a different thing. If he can command the rumored number, and again, we have no idea if he can, which is three years, 91, correct? Something and like that, yeah. All I mean, it's right it, around 90. All of it guaranteed, yeah. then he not only becomes the most intriguing prospect in free agency, he becomes one of the most important players in NFL history. If he changes the paradigm in that way, because then what happens when Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan start their contract negotiations yep. in the late spring? They're saying, well, sorry, if Kirk Cousins got $91 million guaranteed, I'm getting $120 million guaranteed. Rodgers can I,
0: essentially ask for whatever he wants at
1: that point. He can ask for the team. He can yeah. ask for the stock, all of the stock. Just, <laughs> Just mail it to, to, to me. buy it all. Mail it all to me. and And there's nothing they can do about it. So I am slightly skeptical it's going to happen because I don't think any team, I, I, a couple of years ago I asked an agent, I asked some, some other people um, some, some front office people about why that, this hasn't happened. Why hasn't anyone um, kind of cut through and, and, and explored the inefficiency that there, there isn't a lot of guaranteed money to go around and essentially what I heard from both the agent side and the team side was that nobody wanted to be the team that changed the game for everybody else. But I just think that in 2018, it's gotten so cutthroat. It's gotten so much more forward thinking. I mean, Howie Roseman doesn't have that sort of cap space, but Howie Roseman is forward thinking to say, okay, I, I'm the kind of guy who's going to take a leap. Is Rick Spielman that kind of guy? I, I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence that he's going to, you know, he's ready to change the face of football, but that kind of contract would change the face of football.
0: And that's what I think is really fascinating to me. So here are the things to take into account when it comes to cousins and the Vikings specifically. And I think that this example does speak to the larger issue at hand. So if they do give him that, if it's $30 million a year fully guaranteed, and let's just in this hypothetical scenario say that Case Keenum is worth 18, you know, let's say he gets somewhere around the Blake Bortles three years sixty contract. What you're saying then, as the Vikings, is that we're going to spend $12 million more million on our quarterback. And is that worth it when you consider what they may have to address at other spots on their team? So the Vikings right now have about $75 million in cap space, give or take, for 2019. The players going into the last year of their contract for the Vikings right now include Anthony Barr, Daniil Hunter, and Stefan Dix. So those are three guys you probably like back. I believe Andrew Dejo is in that Group as well, but he probably is a step down from those players. So you have three people who were instrumental to your success as a franchise. So the issue now and the question is, is the gap between Kirk Cousins and the quarterbacks you can have elsewhere, Case Cannon being the guy you had before, is that $12 million enough money to make it worth being able to lose one or two of these players? That's
1: the age old team building question. And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, I think either. that you have Mike Zimmer who is ready to build a defensive infrastructure that works. And I, I think that having him there is is an incredible, valuable thing as far as Minnesota goes. If you're Denver, I mean, first of all, we have to remember that John Elway has made an entire career out of being a ruthless negotiator. And I don't know how much money he's going to want to shell out for, for a guy like Case Keenum. I don't know. I think it makes sense. Gary Kubiak's in the front office. Keenum started with Gary Kubiak. Um, Case Keenum is obviously a great presence in the locker room and I think people in Denver are going to love him Um, but I think that the dominoes Can fall in so many different ways that it's almost impossible to predict what the value of a quarterback is going to be AJ McCarron is floating out there Teddy Bridgewater is floating out there Sam Bradford is floating out there Um, There are just so many ways this could go does McCarron as rumored immediately go to the Browns? I don't know you have a possibility of four first round quarterbacks. I mean, I, there are so many different crazies. It's almost like, you know what we need? We need like, you know, the playoff scenario generators. Yeah. Why, we need like a quarterback scenario generator where, okay, Case Kingdom signs in Arizona. Now what? How do the dominoes fall? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's yeah, just yeah, exactly. as many just possibilities all the way through for me. I can't remember a more intriguing. People, I, I, I've seen some people sort of pan this class. Of free agents and maybe maybe that's true on, on in some positions, sure. but I think as far as intrigue, this is an intriguing a class we've,
0: as, as we've had since the CBA was signed. I mean, I agree. I mean, I think that's undeniable. And with the Broncos, I think that that's another interesting case, right? So Denver has twenty four million dollars in cap space. You can move money around and everything else, of course. So but let's just say hypothetically that you give Keenum eighteen of that. Sure. So you don't have much room to work with money wise in this free agency period. If you're the Broncos, is it a blessing in disguise to miss on Keenum, get one of these rookies for one eighteenth the price? I mean, how much is a top five pick in this rookie year in terms of cap hit? Four million, five million? Something like that, yeah. So I mean you okay, so maybe you're say a quarter of the price. And to be able to go out and sign whoever on on offense, to be able to go get another lineman that you probably need. I just feel like that might be the case with some of these teams. I don't know if it's worth it to give one of these mid-tier quarterbacks that much because it's the argument that Mike Zimmer made about Case Keenum and why he's not that valuable. You need an infrastructure in order to lift him up. I think that's the case with all of these quarterbacks. It's just a matter of degree. And then the now the issue for Minnesota becomes – is that difference in degree worth $12 million? Is the chance Kirk Cousins give you, that slim margin that he's better than Case Keenum, is that worth $12 million because your window to win a championship is so small and those margins are what may define it? I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's the questions that you have to ask. Okay,
1: let me ask you this. Let's do a thought experiment. Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the Vikings in
0: 2017. Sure. Okay? Do they beat the Philadelphia Eagles? That's a weird game. I, I mean, that, that's such a strange question to ask. I think that they're, they were close enough to a championship that you could argue the difference between Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum would matter. I feel like there are very few rosters that you could say that about. I think Minnesota is in a unique position. You didn't answer the question. Would they beat the Eagles? In a vacuum, maybe not like not coming off the Minnesota miracle, all of that stuff, perhaps. I think they had the roster to beat the Eagles with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just, it, it it appears to me, if I'm looking at the Vikings, they don't get any farther than where they got with Case Keenum. And so it does, it, the, the $12 That's million, the, dollars, the $13 million difference, I'd rather have two. So let's back up for a second. One of the ways the Patriots got really freaking good at roster building was identifying the one inefficiency in the NFL. And that is mid-level veterans who didn't have a ton of interest. You're not in Dominican Sioux type second contracts, but six, seven million kind of you know, had three bidders and felt like New England was the best place for them, and just stacking those guys. Um, two years ago, I think they had double the amount of guys make between five and eight million than any other team in the NFL. Okay, so I know we talk about how the salary cap, especially for superstars, matters less and less every year. If you're really up against it, twelve or thirteen million dollars a year is a lot of money because that's two really quality players, two starters that you can get off the scrap heap in free agency. Here's my issue
0: with that line of thinking, though, is that the Patriots are a team whose quarterback can transcend the players around them. We're talking about a different thing in terms of an overall team-building strategy. You have to have a complete team that's almost spotless when you have quarterbacks that aren't Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and and whoever else. The Eagles just proved that. So I think the the Patriots can do that. They can chase three or four extra mid-tier guys because Tom Brady is their quarterback. I don't know... If you're the Vikings, uh, the, if you the can think Eagles that way.
1: did the same thing, and they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. The Eagles have a complete roster. That's what I'm saying, though. But but you get the way you have a complete roster is to have a a, a critical mass of guys who are mid tier free agents making five, six, seven million dollars. That that's that's the sweet spot. That's one way. Look, the easiest way to win in the NFL is is I mean, this is a quarterback and contract league. I've said it a million times. If you get all of those guys like the frickin uh, Seahawks five years ago and everybody's on a rookie contract and, and you can do whatever you want and you have, you know, 10 all pro candidates who are all making $800,000 a year. That's the ideal. The second best thing is to have enough guys fitting under the salary cap who make five, six million dollars and just
0: having a complete roster. And but so the Vikings have one right now. I, if, I know if they signed cousins. They would have one in this exact moment. And I think that's kind of the question you have to answer is it worth chasing him for 2 years when you can probably have close to that complete roster for 2 years that that we're we're in agreement here that's that is
1: the decision they have to make are you going to get rid of other pieces in order to have Kirk Cousins and so it comes down to what what difference does Kirk Cousins make and does he make the difference that that taking two players away from the defense uh, d- does he make that an insignificant decision?
0: Maybe it's one player. I mean, I don't sure. know the answer there. I mean, I don't know. If they have 72 million, he takes 30 of it. They're at 42. They can probably sign a couple of those guys. But, I mean, all th- things change so much from year to year. I just don't know if it's worth the gap. And I can't answer that. I don't, I'm not going to fall on either side of that line right now. Nor am I. Hi, buddy. Coming up, Danny will join us to talk about the biggest fish on the free agency market, as well as our favorite four free agents. It's the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network.
1: Robert, it's time to tell our listeners about the boatload of money they can make this weekend on MyBookie. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time to get into the action. March
0: Madness is here. I'm going to be in Las Vegas for it, which I'm very excited about. But if you are not going to be in Las Vegas, lay down some money and score big on College Hoops, join thousands of online players, and start betting at MyBookie.ag. Are you sick and tired of being in the
1: runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join MyBookie today. Here's why we recommend MyBookie. You win, they pay, fast and without hassles. You're wasting time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game betting so that you can place a bet after tip-off.
0: Join now, and MyBookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. You can even enter for a chance to win their million-dollar bracket challenge. Just use the promo code
1: RINGERNFL to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play,
0: win, and get paid. We're welcomed now by our good friend, Danny Kelly, who's going to help us break down some of the biggest fish on the free agent market. But first, Danny, you holding up okay, buddy? <laughs> Danny, what is your end of the
1: Seahawks dynasty playlist like right now?
2: It's <laughs> a lot of Soundgarden. Graduation. Uh, th- that graduation song, I don't even know what the name of it is, but... The vitamin, the vitamin C on? Down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Danny, there's so much
0: melancholy music from the city that you live in. I know. Uh, I mean, why it's... wouldn't you just dive full, head
1: first into Black, all the sadness? Black by Pearl Jam. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm trying Light to ears. keep a positive outlook about this. I think. Why? I'm actually kind of excited about the next sort of era in the Seahawks. I mean, obviously. Why? I mean, well, it's obviously you're gonna miss guys like Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett, but. You just listed
0: um, three guys. You want to keep going?
2: <laughs> well, I'm assuming they're not going to trade Earl Thomas. They still have Bobby Wagner. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of excited to see how they kind of fix everything, obviously. But, I mean, you can rationalize anything. What's the as first a fan. step in the five stages of grief? <clears throat> you can rationalize anything, man. It's in I denial. Mean, <laughs> I
1: have a question, Danny. Yeah, it seemed to me like all they had to do was fix their offensive line, and instead they just blew up the whole team. <laughs> doesn't well, I mean? Does well, it seem to, like easier to just, you know, sign an offensive lineman? I think
2: they have to have cap space to do that, and they don't have a lot. They had like Fair thirteen point. million, and so we're cutting Richard Sherman I think is going to free up like eleven million, so they could go out and get a pretty good veteran I think at that cost, and then. Um. I mean, they they have a lot of they have a lot of things that they have to do on both sides of the ball. Still, I think you know they were pretty. They went for it last year and it didn't work out. And now they've kind of got some holes. They don't have a second or third round pick. Uh, they're going to have to do some stuff in free agency.
0: So let's dig into some of the bigger names available in free agency. Here we're going to get to a Seahawk a little bit later, a former Seahawk most likely. Uh, but let's start with the guy who, outside of the quarterbacks, is a lot of people's consensus best player, just you know, per position. And that's Andrew Norwell, who yep. spent the last few years yep. in Carolina, former undrafted free agent from Ohio State, which is another example of why it pays to find offensive <laughs> linemen that come out of offensive linemen factories. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of people think could break the guard market. I mean, that he could set the new standard for how much guards get paid. I mean, right. so you had a guy, Kevin Zeidler, get paid $12 million a year about from Cleveland last year. People believe that Norwell can top that. So, I mean, are you, Danny, do you feel like he is that good? Do you think he's in line with the rest of the best players at that position to the point where he's worthy of getting paid that much?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I was actually, so I wrote about free agents a bunch this week, and I was just trying to do as much research as possible. I don't know if you guys mentioned this stat yet, but last season he did not give up a quarterback hit or sack all year. He was That's the incredible. only He was the only offensive lineman to not allow a sack or a hit. Which is, I mean, that's just insane to me. It was 564 snaps. So, and what's um,
1: amazing is that all five Seahawks allowed a hit on every single snap. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. You guys should go get
2: Andrew Norwell, Danny. Do you oh have cap God. space to do that? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing they probably don't have the cap space or want to use all their yeah, cap space on that, but that would be amazing. Obviously, put him next to Dwayne Brown and and. Um, Justin Britt's not like a great center, but he's, he, solid. he's solid. Yeah, he's solid. Yeah. So that would give them a really amazing left side. I got another guy in mind that we're, I think we're going to talk about after this. But, um, yeah, I mean, if the Seahawks can get a good left guard, I think they could. that, that offensive line could take a big jump forward. But, um, yeah, I don't so, think Norwell is going to be the guy. He's probably going to go to the Giants right now. that's the report it,
1: everyone thinks he's going to the Giants, which would be a nice Gettleman. get for them.
2: Yeah, I
0: think that that's the type of move they want to make. Me as a familiar with Gettleman, obviously. The other team, and I wrote this week just kind of the I broke down the ideal halls of some of the more cash rich teams in free agency. So the Colts, the Browns, all those, mm-hmm. and I said that you know if you're the Colts, you might as well make a run at him. That you're going to lose Jackie. Moore. You have a huge spot right there. You have sixty five million in space. I mean, they have holes at the positions where there are a few players available in this class. He's one of them. I mean, he's going to get a monster deal because there are teams with money who desperately need a player at that spot.
2: Yeah, I think... In, I mean, if you look at some of the teams that the Colts have to go up against, especially the Jaguars, where they've got so many yeah. dudes on the inside that can just wreck your run game, wreck your passing attack, just get right through the line, um, I think he could be a really, really valuable piece to them. I, you know, there's still sort of the discussion <clears throat> is, is a guard worth, you know, eight-digit, like, contracts or whatever, but um, I think they are at this point. I mean, there's so many so many really athletic interior linemen that can just ruin your game plan. I think, you know, he he's a guy that can change the complexion of an offensive line. I totally I agree. agree,
0: and I think that there are a lot of guys that have shown what that type of talent, and when you infuse a guy like that into your line, how instantly the results can come. Guards I mean, became more important,
1: exactly what you said, Danny. The interior defensive lines have become so much more athletic because... Yeah. This is a quick-release league now. No one yeah. sits around back there totally. just running back and forth and and you know taking seven-step drops or whatever. And so the edge rushers have become a little less important. And even sacks, in a weird way, have become less important. In 2016, mm-hmm. um, there was an all-time low for for sacks across the NFL. And I don't think sacks are as valuable as they once were because you're just not going to generate consistent pressure with the way offenses get rid of the ball. So what do you do instead? You just get a big body in the middle of the defensive line and you put your hand up and you wreck the game.
0: I mean, that's think about the Eagles. The Eagles didn't have that many sacks last year, but no team in the NFL caused offenses to throw shorter of the sticks than the Eagles did because they have guys like Fletcher Cox. I mean, that's those are the type of stats that have become more important. Maybe not more important than sacks, but maybe more telling than sack totals,
2: right? Like pressures collapsing the pocket. I mean, Dan Quinn used to say it with the Seahawks. I'm sure he still says it with the Falcons all the time. Now, Um, it's all about affecting the quarterback. It's not necessarily knocking him down with the ball still in his hands. I mean, it's like getting him off his spot, getting him off balance, making him, uh, you know, rush a pass or whatever, force something into bad, you know, into coverage or whatever. So, I mean, that's the name of the game now. And and yeah, exactly, because quarterbacks are getting the ball out so much faster.
0: The other guy, if teams miss out on Norwell, that will probably be a, you know, well-paid guard is justin Pugh, who it was mm-hmm. hurt last year yep. he's had some injury issues in new york but he can moonlight a tackle a little bit so i feel like some of these teams that miss out on him he's a guy worth chasing i mean the bears need a left guard i mean so they're in play for one of those guys if they miss out on norwell i think the colts also will be so Pugh's another name to watch there
2: yeah and he's the guy that i had in mind for the seahawks because when they have a new offensive line coach mike Solari. Solari just Came from the Giants. So he's coached him. He, he knows. They're he's coached familiar. everywhere
0: at this point. <laughs> I know it's
2: true. There's there's a lot of connections there, but um, I mean he he has familiarity with him. And then I heard you know at the combine, Pete Carroll was talking about how the Seahawks are planning to uh, change up their offensive line like schemes a little bit. So having a guy that can can come in and, and know exactly how Solari coaches, I think it could be big. So um, I think you know Pugh is he's probably better. I mean he he's definitely better as a guard. But like you said he can play tackle in a pinch um and that's really really valuable and to to teams that kind of like having guys that can play every position or at least you know a multiple positions on the line 100 percent. and you know in this class the fact that you can play tackle is interesting just
0: because there aren't many high level tackles available out there no i mean yeah. it's probably even worse than last season i remember when we were recording the three of us this show when Matt Khalil got his contract, and my my reaction (laughs) didn't go down in infamy here. But (laughs) in this class, it seems like there could be some weird deals just because there aren't many players available. Nate Solder is the guy at the top of that group, and I wanted to talk about him here again because position scarcity matters in free agent classes. Kevin, are are you of any mind that New England will let him get away or that he has any interest in leaving New England? I have to tell you guys something. I'm distracted
1: by the fact that uh, James Dolan played on The Tonight Show last night with his band. Understandable. I can't blame you. It'd be hard to focus. <laughs> Get it together. Come on. Okay, Solder. I mean, I, I, I don't know where that goes. I mean, no one can really predict where Belichick and Casario are going to go when, yeah. it, when, when it comes to the open market. Um. I mean, I just... He's so talented. The Patriots are going to have to fight off a lot of suitors in the open market. And how many times have we seen... I mean, the, the entire Patriots system is built on this guy's too rich for our blood. So if he goes out and gets a godfather offer somewhere, no, he's not coming
0: back. He's one of those guys that it just feels like the Hightower scenario from last year yeah. where there's all this talk about him leaving and the Patriots didn't do <laughs> enough to keep him and then he just ends up back there. He doesn't want what's, to leave. Yeah. What's interesting is that there aren't that many teams at the top of the market who need a left tackle. Some of them that I'm looking at, they actually kind of are intriguing. Houston is one of them. Yep. Think about Bill O'Brien. He's used to I me. Mean, he knows Nate Solder. They have experience together. I feel like that's a call that will be made because I mean the Texans certainly don't feel good about who their left tackle is, nope. and we so, have to protect Deshaun. Yes, and their left their offensive line was a <laughs> absolute disaster Watson. last season. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's a, a team that should make that call. But otherwise, you know, the Jets are not committed to beat him long term. But he's there, so in. Tampa Bay, you have Donovan Smith, who hasn't been good, but he's a young player still. They might not want to give him up on him quite yet. Joe Staley in San Francisco. Charles Leno Jr. got that extension in Chicago. Yep, Left tackle for the Redskins is uh, Trent Williams. Titans are next. You have Luan there. The Vikings just signed Reef. The Jaguars just drafted a left tackle. So yep. aren't that many teams flush with cap space that need a player at that spot? So I'm not sure if the market will be that robust for him. And there may be a chance he just ends up back in New England.
1: Track does their market value thing, which can be hit and miss. I mean, sure. Kirk Cousins is at twenty five million. I think he might end up with a little more, but but they 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 do no salaries there. They've got Nate Solder at thirteen point two per year. That's not crazy. Think about what Khalil made. No, it's not crazy at all. I'm not saying it's crazy. I'm saying if it gets to that, do the Patriots
0: bail? Maybe. I mean, they don't have that much cap space.
2: They're losing so like there, three tackles, though. I What's mean, up? three tackles are free agents right now for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, like think how... I think he ends up back there. If I had to bet on it, yeah. I would say that. But is say like, say you're the Bucks, right? I mean, just again, as a hypothetical. So say you're Tampa Bay and your offensive line needs some work. I'd say they're in line for a cheaper guard. Donovan Smith has not been good for them. He's set to make $1.9 million this year as a former second-round pick. Do you just eat that? And spend some of that money to take a big swing at a guy like Nate Solder. Why wouldn't you at least try? Yeah. And I think that those are the type of teams with him on the market could just say, "Screw it." Even if we had a plan that we weren't thrilled about, maybe we go make a run. Maybe the Jets yeah. do that. So it just seems like there might be a couple dark horse teams in here because there aren't that many left tackles of his caliber that hit the market.
2: I put the I, I did an article for the Ringer that's going to go up on Friday that. And I matched him up with the Texans. I, I was on the same kind of that makes sense to you me. You know, mind track with you guys. It's just in terms of you got to protect Watson. They've got tons of cap space. There's familiarity there. Yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. I could see them definitely getting in on the bidding.
0: Let's move on to a topic that might send me into a tizzy. Here, I, I don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to handle it. The best news of my week was the Jaguars not franchising Allen Robinson. <laughs> my affinity for Allen Robinson is well known. I've never been shy about it. I still feel like we have no evidence that he's not the greatest wide receiver of all time, (laughs) considering what he's been able to do with Blake Bortles. His market is going to be fascinating because I think if you go back to last year and you look at what some of the top wide receivers got, obviously, you know, Deshaun Jackson got that nice contract, but Pryor got that one-year deal. Alshon ended up settling for that one-year deal. There's a chance that both Allen Robinson and Watkins do the same just because if you consider their 2017 seasons – they might want a chance to kind of rehab their value before cashing in. Robinson obviously misses pretty much the entire year with the torn ACL. Watkins is good for a good Rams offense, but his production is not quite where you'd think a guy with his talent would be. I still think if you're a team like Chicago, which is why I'm excited about this, obviously, you would try to give Robinson a long-term deal even coming off the ACL. We have so much evidence of guys coming back completely fine from that injury, by all accounts, he's 100%. Why risk losing him to a team that's willing to pay a little bit more because you don't want to give him a long-term deal? If Robinson's willing to take one and you can find a sweet spot where it's enough for him, but you're still not breaking the bank because he was hurt, I would do it. I'd do it in a heartbeat.
2: I would do it too. I think, I mean, especially with sort of the uncertainty around draft receivers these days yes. and, you know, i mean especially obviously there's probably not gonna be too many first rounders this year just based on kind of the way the the class is set up but over the last couple of years first rounders have been really hit or miss in the first in, in, in like their first couple of years you know it kind of it, it takes a couple of years to get them sort of the pro game in a lot of cases so we've talked about this in the past it's kind of like paying a premium for what you know yes. and i think you you know robinson's going to be really good i mean he's a he's an elite athlete he's produced in the past uh you know he he's versatile he can kind of play all over the field he's a deep threat i mean he's really what teams are looking for i i, I mean obviously that i think the the injury is the big thing that's the big question mark and how much teams are going to sort of trust that he's on track to kind of turn into what he was before but I mean, he's a proven he's a, he's a proven commodity, and I think he's going to be valuable on the open market. Would
0: you rather have Robinson or
2: Watkins, Kevin?
1: So, they both have question marks. I think the most interesting thing to me was a lot of the tape gurus said as the season went on that Watkins was getting open, he was beating his guy, and he was playing on the backside of the play and golfed and read get get his reads in. Because there was
0: guys open on the front side of the play. Yeah, of course, <laughs>
1: yeah. Robinson. It's it's just health It's just health So it depends where the money comes down And that's sort of a simplistic answer If if the money is
0: even I guess I would go Robinson I think I would too And because here's the other wrench in this Watkins has never been healthy nope. Watkins right. has had foot problems his entire career Alan yeah. Robinson has one fluke injury I'd argue that Sammy Watkins is a bigger health concern Than Alan Robinson is So if we're taking that into account I think the Robinson checks way more boxes for me all right, let's move on to the corners here very quickly. A couple of guys that seem like they're in line for double-digit contracts per season. Malcolm Butler and Tremaine Johnson. Butler is another guy that his value will be so hard to track just based mm-hmm. on the way people view his 2017. He was up and down. You have the Super Bowl benching that I don't feel like it will be as big a deal to most teams. But I right. think it's more the way he played last season. If he's the guy he was in 2016, he's a $15 million a year corner. Yep. Now, I think it's closer to 10. So is that going to be a situation where you'd rather give him a little bit less than Paige, Jermaine Johnson, top of the market value that he's almost sure to get coming off two franchise tags because his agent is coming isn't coming to the market with anything less than you're paying (laughs) me fifteen million dollars a year. I want Stephon Gilmore money. Right. So I just feel like at this point, Malcolm Butler might be a little bit more of a bargain, Kevin. I'm not sure how you feel about where Butler might get and where.
1: I have. This is one of those things where there's going to be a massive separation between public perception and how teams view him because Mm -hmm. you and I and Danny Kelly do not know the full story (laughs) of what happened Super Bowl week. We have no – I don't know if we're ever going to know. I think that teams will, and I think how they view that and what happened and other sort of character references. These guys do so much homework on the players. And they're going to understand whether or not ba- Malcolm Butler is worth fourteen, fifteen million, or if he's if you he got to take you know if, if he's just in the bracket where you're going to take an eleven million dollar flyer on him and maybe even a two year deal. Okay, track has him at twelve, thirteen million flat, which mm-hmm. is about a million dollars less than than Tremaine Johnson. I think that's about right right now. Depending on what teams find out, I mean. The the rumors about Malcolm Butler Super Bowl week all seem to have been disproven at this point, but I, I, at the same time, there's no way it was it was competitive reasons. So and and schematic reasons because the scheme for the Patriots involves Malcolm Butler stopping people. So I I just I I I know that there's a lot of room for more analysis here, but the answer is it depends on what NFL teams know about this guy.
2: I think the other thing that is very intriguing about this free agent class specifically is there's a lot of starter quality corners hitting the free agent market. I think it's probably the deepest position. That's in why free I'm not doing teams. this. Yep.
0: If, uh, my team needs corners desperately. I mean, I'm yeah. obviously bringing Kyle Fuller back, which I assume they're going to. They gave him the transition tag, whoever, offers him a deal, I would almost I would almost guarantee they match it. But outside of that, they still need two more. And mm. there's no way I'm paying Tremaine Johnson $15 million a year when I can give EJ Gaines eight. Exactly. exactly. I'm just not doing it. Or think about what Brashad Brewin's going to get. I guarantee you guys like that come in at a price that's much more palatable to me than what you'd have to pay to get Tremaine Johnson. Yep. And if I'm a team like San Francisco or a team like the Colts who needs corners desperately... But you need a ton of other positions too. Let somebody else do it. I mean, let the Browns go get Tremaine Johnson and let me come in and get a guy for half price and then spend that money elsewhere.
2: There's like Rashawn Melvin. He had a really good year. He worries um, me just because
0: I know what the other tape has looked like. I think Breland and <laughs> right, Gaines right. have been more consistently good
2: when they, in Gaines's case, when he's been on the field. What do you think is the deal with Amukamara? Because he played decently. Also, could did he earn a bigger contract this year? I think so. I mean, I think he played solid.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be, I'd have no problem with giving him a reasonable deal. I think he's he has less upside than a guy like Gaines does, just because he's older and he's been around. I I think that Gaines is somebody that his ceiling has been high enough when you've seen him that you feel more comfortable giving him three years. There's a chance that Muka doesn't get another deal that's more than one single season. So, but I I think he played well enough that a cornerback needy team, even a stopgap, would love to have him. So.
1: The big question here before even getting to Butler, before even getting to Johnson, any of those, you know, Breland, Fuller type options, Akib Tlaib and Richard Sherman can both shake free.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> I mean, it, that's again just one of the wrinkles that's coming here. I, if you if you're a team that needs a corner, I don't understand why you wouldn't consider trading for Richard Sherman right now. Even giving them, them the a small thing. amount of draft capital we'll for that know. one year.
2: It's his, it's his Achilles. I think it's probably the fact that yeah. they don't know for Health sure if he'll be able to play. Yeah.
1: Hey, guys, I have a question. Every time I see an Achilles injury, everyone's like, oh, Achilles, death sentence. And then the guy just comes back fine. Like That's <laughs> not always the <laughs> case. Cameron Wake, Cameron Wake it was like, oh. Speed rusher at the end of his career, and then he just came back and he was just the same guy.
0: I feel like if we start comparing other athletes to Cameron Wake, we're gonna get in trouble real fast. <laughs> right? He's one of like the most ridiculous physical. I understand ever that, but I sports. mean, I, what I'm
1: just saying is, it just seems like one of those those thoughts that just gets passed around. And then it's just been disproven over and over again. I don't think it's again. a career
2: killer anymore.
0: I, I, I mean, feel it's like certainly it's much more
2: be.
1: dangerous
0: than something like an ACL is. Oh, would, sure. It would give sure. Me considerably but I'm just more saying, pause. every
1: time I read about an Achilles, it's like, oh, <laughs> toss him in the trash pot. Then the guy, like a year later, is making the Pro Bowl. I
0: don't Sherman know. Sherman and Tlaib can absolutely just screw this whole thing up in a way that's fun. I mean, if both of those guys are on the market, the way it all comes down, I'm excited to watch it. What
1: number, we, guys, what number will Talib and Sherman wear with the Patriots? What numbers? God.
0: When
2: they're both don't, on the Don't team? even say that to me.
0: What? <laughs> that, that doesn't work. Those two guys are too strong on to the. more. They wouldn't have all so three of those guys. Maybe, <laughs> maybe just Sherman.
1: Eric Berry uh, tore his Achilles too, and he's going to be dunking on people in
0: December. That's, yeah. Or well, September, okay. excuse Eric me. Eric Berry's gotten over stuff that's a little bit worse than an Achilles injury, so I have Hardy faith. Has. All right, let's go. Let's One more guy here we'll knock out before we get to our favorite four guys very quickly as we'll breeze through those. Jimmy Graham resurgent season you know he's a guy that if you need a pass catching tight end an extremely valuable commodity Danny are you some, after watching him all year do you feel like it's worth a team kind of splurging on him at top of the tight end market money
2: uh I think so still because of what he can do in the red zone I, I mean sure he's a, speaking of another guy that kind of overcame a quote Career killing injury. I mean, he tore his patellar Ugh. and was back the next season, which is he kind led. Of he, if I'm
1: not mistaken, he led the league in red zone catch rate for tight ends this year.
2: That sounds right. I know he led all tight ends in touchdowns with ten, and you know he kind of turned into that unstoppable. You know, I, I've I always used to talk about how the fade is trash, but he's he's really really good. It, it, if you're like, there's a few guys who are just unstoppable with the fade route or the back shoulder kind of red zone catch thing that he, he really showed this year again, that he's still got that. I think in the right situation, you know, with the right quarterback, obviously a reunion in, in new Orleans, I think would be awesome. Um, but I mean like with a quarterback can throw with anticipation, I think Graham still has a ton of value as a red zone target. He's not going to, I mean, he's not going to be the guy he used to be where he's running all over the field and running up the seam and getting past guys. Cause he's just not quite as fast. I don't think as he used to be, but I mean he's still he's still really athletic. He's still huge and he's you know, he, he's a good red zone target. So I, I would say yeah, he's still a little bit risky and he did drop a few passes this year that kind of make you wonder, but um I mean I think in the right scheme he's still like a ten touchdown guy.
0: Here's my problem is that I, I agree with all the things you just said. I also know that Tyler Eifert is a very good red zone target. <laughs> yeah. And this is the pit into which I am going to fall once more. My biggest blind spot in regards to NFL players and projecting them is is that I'm the biggest if healthy guy of all time. Well, if he's healthy, (laughs) like my tombstone is going to read, here lies the last man who believed in Jason Verrett. That is going to be me. (laughs) And Eifert is just right there. He's 27, Graham's 31. He's a monster in the red zone. My Mm -hmm. biggest fear of this entire free agency period is that he ends up in Green Bay.
2: Oh my God. Jimmy Graham?
0: Tyler Eifert. Eifert I, excuse yeah. me, Tyler Eifert. It's it is the thing that haunts my dreams. I just <laughs> thought of it two days ago, and I've tried to block it out of my mind ever <laughs> you since. You woke
2: up in a cold sweat.
0: <laughs> oh my god! It, it just. I, it, I, I'm telling you, it's the most terrifying thought to me because I really do think the guy is special when he's on the field. Oh yeah. And if he. And again, this is such a huge caveat. But if he can stay on the field, I think a team could get a deal because he's going to be
1: cheaper than Graham. It would be so seamless for him to take Marty Bennett's spot in the uh, trainer's room at tight end.
0: Ah, come on. Right. <laughs> There's a That's little spot nice, in the Kevin. trainer's room that says tight end. <laughs> he can just sit there. Oh, man. All right, let's move on here from the bigger names to kind of one or two steps down. We're going to run through these very quickly. We each picked our favorite four free agents. Guys, we think are going to be available at the right price that could help a team instantly. Kevin, why don't you start with your
1: first one? Sure. So PFF did a nice thing where they have a handy guide to all the guys who are available and then their, their grade last year. Mm-hmm. Number one free agent by grade is who, Robert? I don't know. It's Marcus Lawrence, and he's been tagged. That's so right. Let's, let's, set yeah, that yep. let's set him aside. That would make sense. Let's <laughs> set him aside. Number two is available. And it's Patrick Robinson. He was great last now, year. You don't have to tell me. Patrick Robinson made $775,000 last year. Yep. Dang. He was... I would say without question, the best value in football last
0: year. Yeah. He was a complete afterthought. Yeah. I mean, as a, for
1: a guy on a second contract, obviously there's always going to be late round rookies who are the best value in football. But uh, as far as a guy who wasn't on his rookie contract, he's entering his year 30 season. Um, Assuming because he had such a big jump from twenty sixteen, I think he doubled his PFF grade from twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen. Assuming no one's going to go out and give him a Tremaine Johnson contract, if he's he a slot can, corner,
0: he's not going to get that. Yeah, yeah no, no, of course. No, no, so no. if
1: you can go out and get him for I don't know, what does he command?
0: Four million? That was my when I did it this year. Or this earlier this week, my contract was somewhere around three years, twelve million. I think yes.
1: that's pretty good. I mean, How I would think that year you have to structure it to where maybe the third year. It you can get out of it because sure I mean, that's what corners, all contracts are yeah but corners at age thirty two thirty three exactly start, start to worry me yeah, but I think yeah. he's I mean he played really really well obviously the the nasty defensive line plays a part in it but I like Patrick Robinson
0: yeah he's in the conversation for me absolutely I would love if the the Bears went out and got him they need a slot corner he's the person I've had
2: in my sights since I realized he was a free agent after watching him play last year Danny who's your first guy. So, this guy, to me, is not necessarily my favorite, but he's really intriguing to me, and that's Austin Sferian Jenkins, sure. uh, former Jet. I mean, number one, he came into the NFL when he was really young. He, I think he, he's still only 25 years old, so I, the, the arrow, to me, is still pointing up. I think he's got a lot of potential. He's huge, you know, big catch radius. He's an athletic guy, and I think he really, you know, based on some of the stories and reports we've read about him, um, finally kind of got his life together this last year. He got sober. Yeah. lost a bunch of weight. Um, I just think, it, and he kind of rededicated himself to football and everything. And, you know, I kind of have been following his career because he went to UW and, you know, came up and he was a multi-sport athlete at UW. And I don't know, I just, I think he's intriguing. I think he's that type of, you know, big-bodied, move tight end that, in the, again, it's in the right scheme. I mean, you have to have a quarterback who's willing to throw with anticipation um, because he's not going to separate a lot. But I just think he could be an intriguing piece for a team that, you know, likes to work the seam and, and, you know, potential red zone target for some people. So he's an interesting guy to me. I'm going to be watching where he ends up. And I don't think he's going to get paid a ton.
0: Last year, you know, that Jets team really liked to push the ball downfield outside the numbers. He, I think he would be better in an offense that's not necessarily built like that. So right. the guy we saw last year, even, I don't feel like is the person he could be. And he had a decent season last year. I mean, he wasn't great by any stretch, but right, he was right. fine. He, he's somebody that you watch him like, okay, this guy can play a little bit. So I agree. I mean, I mean, if he's in an offense more conducive to his skill set, I think he could do some fun stuff. Another team that kind of needs a tight end. And I don't know if how they feel about Jake Butt, whatever Denver might be interesting for him if they mm-hmm. go get a guy like Case Keenum. So I, I think that there are teams out there that he fits for.
2: I had the Seahawks, Cowboys, Bengals and 49ers written down, just kind of jotted down. But yeah, I mean, I think. 49ers oh.
0: need a tight end. I mean, I like Kittle, but they could use another well, one. Well,
2: they could use another one, yeah. They use a strange. lot of two
0: tight ends. I mean, Selick played a decent amount for them last year. So, Yeah. The, uh, my first guy, shockingly, is an offensive lineman. I am, uh, I'm going with Ryan <laughs> Jensen, who was the center for the Ravens last year. And you watched that Ravens team. He popped out a little bit to me. I watched that mm-hmm. interior of the offensive line when Collins was running as well as he did because I was curious what had changed there. And they had so much shuffling before the season. Jensen had never played center full-time. And he goes there and does a pretty damn good job in a pinch. And we've looked at what free agent centers have done for teams lately. And the guy that jumps out to me, I think Jensen could be in line for a deal in this range, maybe a little less is Ben Jones in Tennessee. Nobody cared when he signed the contract. Nobody celebrated it, but he came in and was a stabilizing factor on that offensive line. They desperately needed a real player there. And I think that Jensen could be that in my You know, Hall's piece that I wrote earlier this week, I gave him to the Jets. They need a center. I just feel like he would be a really nice piece to add to whatever quarterback you have there and kind of really put together and have some reliability in the middle of your offense. You guys good? you have nothing to say? Sorry. I Do you know who Ryan Jensen
1: <laughs> is? I, I, I know who he Sorry. is. I'd love to move on as quickly as possible. I
2: was, Kevin, let's dog, get to your second dog guy. My dog is drinking water really, really loudly right behind me. That, <laughs> I, that does
0: matter more than the center that's going to make mid-tier market money. Kevin, let's get to your second person. Uh, really
1: quickly, it's Deion Lewis. Yeah. Um, another one of these guys with a high PFF grade. You know, I think he's versatile. Apparently he's been upset with some of his usage numbers in, in New England, which I mean, I that's with 400 snaps or something that's last year. What, I don't blame
0: him. That's what I you Lewis, sign man.
1: up for when you play in New England is weird game-to-game changes. What intrigues me, first of all, he's going to be 28 this year. He had 180, 196 yards, 5 yards per carry last year, but 35 targets. I think he's really versatile. He's had 50 targets in his career. Um, you know, Three years ago, he had 10.8 yards per reception he can he can break some uh his catch rate was 91 percent last year and obviously for running back that's that's you know it's graded on a curve but it's still impressive i think in this league we're going way 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 more towards pass catching running backs we're going back to sort of the Ladanian tomlinson model from the mid-2000s and i think john lewis is a guy who you know probably has two years left in his prime Get him for a few million dollars, run him into the ground, let him pat, catch some passes and uh, get those usage rates up because that's what he wants. Kevin, I got some... Do you have any
0: teams in mind that intrigue you? Oh,
1: um, that's a great question.
0: I keep coming back to Detroit. Yeah. That that's the one I keep coming back to. I just feel like he would make sense there. They they need a running back and actually run between the tackles. He's good. I know he's smaller and that they might have nightmares after guys like Abdul. But I, I think he fits there. The Colts are another team that's it, been thrown out. Sure. I just don't see Ballard you, spending fran- spending did, fantasy football money in free agency this the year. Giants. I just don't see it happen. Yeah, the Giants maybe. Uh, I mean, I, we'll see. I think his market will be your, will be interesting just because. It's hard for me to spend that kind of free agency money on a 28-year-old running back, even when he doesn't have that much tread. It's going to be great when he signs
1: with the Lions and he gets Matt Patricia, and Patricia just uses him the same way Belichick did. Mm -hmm. Three carries a
0: game. Yep. All right, Danny, who's your second guy?
2: Um, I got Sheldon Richardson on the list. I mean, obviously, he's not a small small name. (laughs) He's probably the best defensive lineman, actually, on the open market, so a little bit cheating, but... um, I'm just really, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see where, he, not only where he ends up, but how much he gets, because like we talked about earlier, um, you know, with the the influx of athletic interior defensive linemen, it, it's going to be, um, I mean, he could fit anywhere. And he's, he's versatile enough to play on the edge too. And kind of like, you know, as a sub package edge rusher in certain situations. So um, I, I don't think he's probably not going to stick with the Seahawks. I think he could make a defense. He could, he could be a, a big boost to a defense that's already kind of like just needs one more guy to like add to their, you know, pass rush package. Um, and he's also, you know, he's good enough to play three downs. Like he can defend the run pretty well too. So I actually also had the Lions written down as a potential target for them just because he's he's versatile. Um you kind of play all over the line. The Falcons. And then actually the other the other idea that I thought would be really intriguing, I don't think they'll probably do this, but imagine him on the Chargers line. Oh my god. Wouldn't that I just be fun? Did. I just, that, I, that made me smile. Oh my God, that sounds so great.
0: I'm into that idea. Okay, let's make it happen. Uh, Kevin, who's your third guy? Uh,
1: just two intriguing safeties, both with question marks Eric Reed and Kenny Vaccaro. Mm. Um, Eric Reed is not tremendous in coverage, but I think he's, I, I, I like him. I like him, and, and, and I would, uh, at the right price, have him on my team. Kenny Vaccaro, it's just health. It's just health. The Saints didn't even try to bring him back. They've just moved on from him. He's played sixteen games once in his five year career. Um, and so I think if you believe Robert Mays, you are a if healthy guy, um, if you believe that that Kenny Vicaro can get healthy, he's a nice he's a nice intriguing option. Both of those safeties, I think, um one of them will make an impact next year. It just comes down to who and what teams
0: believe in. Well, I'll do my third guy next because it kind of plays off that. I would rather pay Trey Boston what he's going to get than either mm-hmm. one of those guys. I like Trey Boston. He's I think he was excellent in San Diego last year yeah. or wherever the Chargers play. I'm going to do it every time. Uh, he was really good. And I just feel like Let's he's going to be calling for at a San good... Diego. Why I don't, not? I it think just they're, they're going to move back at some point, right? <laughs> so I, I like Trey Boston a lot. I, I think a, a safety-needy team, he could be really good for them. If I'm the Browns, I'm seeing what he wants to play back there in the back end. If they're moving yeah. from, uh, Peppers closer to the line of scrimmage, I think he's the type of guy that... Won't break the bank, but could seriously help them. I don't know if anybody can seriously help you when Greg Williams is the coordinator, but You're playing he's 25 the guy yards I would
2: like to try. Deep. I had it matched up with the Eagles in my article. That way, you know, he can play deep. That allows Malcolm Jenkins to move all around and kind of well, what do whatever do McLeod, he wants then? to do. What's that?
0: What are you going to do with McLeod then?
2: Well, I mean, it's you have three you have three quality safeties. I mean, they played they played Jenkins up in the box like a, yeah. a linebacker at times. I mean, it's just moving guys around. You can play big that nickel works. in this league. God,
0: that's a lot of money to spend at safety though, man. This team is exactly flush with cash.
2: <laughs> that's true. I mean, Who's your obviously, third guy yeah. My third guy, another kind of bigger name but um I think he's kind of underrated still is Adrian Claiborne. Um he was a guy last year who He got six sacks in one game, so that kind of like skewed the numbers a little bit. His pressure numbers were good, though. He was was much
0: more consistently disruptive last year than he had been in years past as a pass rusher.
2: Yeah, and so he... Let's see here. I got the numbers. He was 10th among 4-3 rushers in pressures and in terms of his pass rush productivity per PFF. That was a mouthful. So, I mean, yeah, 54 pressures on the year. He's good. I mean, it was the same number that Jason Pierre-Paul generated last year. And I think... My ideal situation for him would maybe be the Saints. I think matching or putting him opposite wow. uh, Cam Jordan would be a lot of fun. That would yeah, be a big that's boost really for fun. them.
0: That, that and, one's really fun And just because they're going to lose Okafor, who was a solid second rusher for them last year. They didn't have really anybody else behind him. That's a fun one. The one I threw out, which I think is even more fun, is he goes back to Tampa Bay. Just kind of like a victory tour, like rec- rec- reclamation <laughs> project to go back and like, just as a better version of the player he was the first time. Because yeah, being able to use him, too. they need pass rush desperately. Him, McCoy, Ayers, they, I mean, Ayers and Claiborne can both play inside, outside. So you'd be able to move those guys around a little bit. But I, I like the Saints. That one's a good one.
1: Wait, can I say something very quickly? Um, sure. I was in Indianapolis and I saw Dirk Cutter. Sure. And I could not believe that he hadn't been
0: fired. Like in my mind, <laughs> he had just been fired, and I was just he like was at the podium the first day. No, I, I had the saw same him thought. in the I like, hallway, yeah, and
1: I saw him in the hallway, and I'm like, "Well, what's he doing here?" And then I remember <laughs> that he just just still coaches the Bucks. Kirk Cutter is the Alec
0: Ogletree contract of coaches.
1: I I just had I didn't I, in my mind I didn't have anybody who replaced him. I was just, just like, eh.
0: "All right,
1: Kevin, who's your fourth guy?" Very. Uh, this is a a situational pick. Because one thing I could see happening is a lot of teams talking themselves into him and all of a sudden he becomes overpaid. It's Trey Burton for me, um, sure. buried mm-hmm. on the depth chart in, in Philadelphia the last couple of years, a tremendous athlete, obviously has an arm, uh, as we saw in, in the playoffs, and you know, 75% catch, catch rate when he got the chance. But playing behind Zach Ertz, you're just not going to get a lot of chances. I think he's a decent, um, a decent weapon for a team that's not looking to
0: spend a lot. I Absolutely. feel like more teams are gonna use more twelve personnel. That yep. that's something I thought was gonna happen last year. I really do think it's gonna be a trend. Teams getting bigger personnel packages to play with tendency, everything else. He's the perfect guy for that. I mean, you can really use him in a variety of situations. He's versatile, he's flexible. I, I think that he's gonna be a fun player. Danny, who's when your he was next a guy? rookie? They they rushed him five times. Yeah. I mean, like he, he plays did, a little
1: bit of a running back. A he's a back. He does really good athlete, and he's also a oh, wow. really
0: good guy. And he's only 26. Good blocker that you can use him on wham blocks. The Eagles love to do that. I think he's he'll be a fun guy to watch, no matter where he
2: lands. Danny, who's your fourth guy? So my final guy is Carlos Hyde. You know he's been really, really up and down in his career, but there are times when you're watching him run and you're like, this guy is insanely good. He's he's big, elusive. Um, I mean, he can even catch the ball pretty well. I th- I think he's a he's a really really. Interesting free agent. I, I'll, I'll be interested to see if he gets like he if he finds a team that will want him to be sort of their featured back because I don't know. I, I just for whatever reason. I've always really liked him I just like the way he runs. Um, uh, he'll get the Latavius Matt, Murray contract from last year That's Matt my Harmon from the NFL Network tweeted
1: out that Carlos Hyde Saw the third most loaded boxes in the NFL last year really nearly 50% only Marshawn and JJ were higher Wow um, So that's something to consider He'll get yeah, the Latavius Murray stat. contract.
0: I think that's my prediction, and he'll, some team will pay him to be their guy. But obviously, the, Latavius Murray wasn't, but they didn't know they'd get Dalvin Cook at that point. <laughs> right. My fourth guy is another bigger name, but I think that in this market, he's not considered one. And that's Josh Sitton. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. We're going to have these conversations about Norwell and Pugh and everything else, and some team that's on the brink is going to sign Josh Sitton to a two-year contract, and he's just going to be like one of the best six or eight guards in the league. Seahawks. It is so ho-hum. Tampa <laughs> Bay is another team I threw out for him. They desperately need a player there. I mean, they have a they've starter there who wasn't very good. Yeah. I mean, he's fine. He's Kevin Panfield. And now they have a spot. Sitting's the perfect guy. He's from Florida. Went to school in Orlando. Just come home, man. Just spot right in next <laughs> to uh, L.A. Marpet and make that stuff happen. All right, Danny, thanks for joining us, buddy. We're here for you in this very trying time <laughs> in your life. If you ever need us, let us know. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, bud. All right, Kevin, before we get out of here, I just wanted to throw out one team for each of us that we're excited to watch in this next week or so. Just their plan, the haul they come up with. Who's yours? Okay, so
1: if if you take the word excited out and just team I'm, I'm going to watch the most is the Seahawks. Okay. Because I have no idea what they're doing. Sure. Having said that, the most intriguing team to me is is the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. I mean, they they could go in a number of ways. Are they going to try to compete now? You know, we just mentioned Trey Burton. Uh, I saw a report the other day that they're the front runners for Trey Burton. Are they going to try to go all in and and not all in as in, you know, maximize their 2018 season, but are they going to get enough guys to where we're talking about
0: them for a wild card spot this year? I wrote about that for the ringer.com today. Uh, please go check it out. I just feel like they are the team that you should be watching right now for yeah. a ton of different reasons. I think that Garoppolo is a beacon in all of this. I mean, he is something that teams are, players are going to be drawn to, just the excitement around that. And then the other thing is just the distribution of their needs. They need a guard. They need a running back. They need a corner. They need a wide receiver. And they probably need an edge rusher. So if you think about that, consider the running backs that have succeeded under Shanahan in the past. You yeah. have Alfred Morris is a six-round rookie. Yeah. You have two years before that the guys in Cleveland that were averaging about 160 yards, rushing a game for the first five weeks before Alex Mack broke his leg were Terrence West and Isaiah Crowell. And then he goes and just destroys the league with Devante Freeman and Tevin Coleman, neither of whom was drafted before the third round. So I feel like his MO for the most part has not been to splurge on running backs. He's never chosen the players to this degree Maybe that changes, but he's been successful with guys in later rounds. They wait on running back and get one either cheap or in free agency and do the same thing with guards, which is another position that historically Shanahan offenses have never splurged on. Then you have a ton of money, about $55 in space, to go get the big ticket items at those other spots. And the other thing you have to take into account, Garoppolo is a $37 million cap hit this year because of how much cap space they started with. That goes to 20 next season. So if it's 55 or 60 that they have now, that's still even misleading because of how they could structure some of these deals and the amount of room they have next season. There are so many things to consider here. And the last wrinkle to all of this is the Seahawks are punting. So now you have a division with a team that pretty much is conceding that the rain is over. You have the Rams who are selling off pieces in order to make changes. I think it's safe to say that the 49ers might have the only roster in that division that gets considerably better this year. It's not out of the question that that they can make the playoffs. Whether
1: or not they make the playoffs depends on the regression of the other teams.
0: Possibly. I think they could win 10 games. I I think this hall is, could be a big part of it. So they're the team I'm watching. I I, I think they are the quiet player in all of this. All right, buddy, that's all we got. Uh, I will not be back next week. I'll be in Las Vegas for a bachelor party is, The only show I plan on missing from here on out, but I will not be with you guys. So please let Kevin kind of shepherd you through these storms of free agency. And I'll be back with you in two weeks. Follow me to freedom. All right, guys, as always, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Mark Titus. And I'm Tate Frazier. we are the hosts of One Shining Podcast. It is March. Check your calendars. It's true. March Madness is coming up. We're here to talk about all things college basketball. If you like FBI Mm investigations, if you like... Teams that are on the bubble and think they belong in, even though they have like 16 losses. Come check out one shiny podcast. If you like
2: buzzer beaters, Buzz Williams, being Buzz, watching basketball, those are all three things you can do. And you can listen to us. We're going to talk about everything that happens in the NCAA tournament. It's going to be great.
0: We're going to be here all month. Please subscribe to one shiny podcast. Check all of our our stuff out. Tate has done some very disgusting things for money in the past, and he he is desperate for more subscribers Mm. so he doesn't have to return to his old life. So please. Please, please subscribe to our pod. Check us out. We're having a lot of fun this March. Uh, You can get us wherever you find your podcast: Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I'm a Google Play guy. Google Play doesn't get enough love when people do this. And Spotify. People are on Spotify Spotify. now, So, so go check it out.